BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Springfield politicians, they promise they won't tax retirement income if their constitutional amendment passes, but their measure lets them increase income taxes on every group of taxpayers, including retirees. This Ben Jarofsky Show Benny J bonus interview is brought to you in part by the Chicago Reader and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show. As I speak, it's Thursday, December 17th, 2020. But of course, it's a podcast. You can be listening to this interview anytime. That voice that you heard at the outset, uh, one of our favorite clips, it's from the Fair Tax Campaign, the Anti-Fair Tax Campaign. It's some lady named Phyllis. Uh, who was used by the wealthy people in the state of Illinois to bamboozle the voters of Illinois out of voting for a tax hike on the wealthiest people. Instead, Illinois of residents will probably soon be experiencing across the board tax hike. One of the dumbest moves done by the voters of the state of Illinois in my lifetime. And when I say that, ladies and gentlemen, I speak, there are a lot of dumb moves that the voters have made, but falling for Phyllis and her commercial was at the top of the list. All right, we're going to move on to a, a wide discussion of politics in a little while. I'll read you the headline of the day so you know what's going on. Uh, lawmakers near deal to speed $900 billion, that's billion with a B, in relief to Americans. I'll believe it when I see it. That's the headline in the New York Times as Republicans and Democrats under pressure are trying to come up with some kind of agreement about a stimulus plan to help uh, people who are in desperate need because of the pandemic. As I do with all bonus shows on the Ben Jarowski Show, I ask my distinguished guest to introduce him or herself. So distinguished guest, introduce yes. yourself. <laughs> Hi, um, Ben. I'm thrilled to be on the show with you today. My name is Sarah Bingaman. I am a resident of Dixon, Illinois. I lead a group of progressive um, people, progressive voters, in a group called Action for a Better Tomorrow, Sauk Valley. Um, we work to elect candidates who share our progressive American values. All right. Now, Sarah, by the way, everybody should know uh, my dear friend Lenny was the one who urged me to have Sarah on. I do whatever Lenny tells me. Uh, so I immediately <laughs> reached out to Sarah. Uh, Wise and, person, Ben. <laughs> yes. Lenny says, jump, I jump. Um, all right, Sarah. So excuse my utter ignorance. And I apologize to absolutely everybody in Dixon. Uh, but I think I speak for a lot of people in Chicago when I ask, where's Dixon again? So why don't you just help situate us uh, on a map? Where is Dixon in relation to uh, the city of Chicago? I think it's an excellent question, Ben. Um, we are just about an hour south of Rockford on a beautiful drive down um, Route 2, which runs along the Rock River. So 
an hour south of Rockford, and then an hour east of the Quad Cities. If you start um, in Chicago and you head due west on I-88, in two hours you will land in Dixon, depending on your speed. Okay. Maybe, maybe faster. And my uh, limited uh, knowledge of Illinois politics tells me that Ronald Reagan is from Dixon. Did I get that right? Ronald Reagan was born in Tampico, but he was raised in Dixon, Illinois. It is a source of enormous pride among people in Dixon. And he said on his, I believe his only return to Dixon, that it was a wonderful place to be from. <laughs> Reagan. You can't say he didn't have a sense of humor. Well, uh, that's true. He was an actor at uh, all times. <laughs> that's like that line about Appleton, Wisconsin, uh, Harry Houdini's from Appleton. And he said, the greatest trick I ever did was to get out of Appleton. Um, <laughs> but uh, do you call them Dixonians? Uh, Dixonites, Dixonians. Um, yeah, you can call us whatever you would like. All right. So here's the deal. Uh, Dixon is in the 16th Congressional District. Do I have that correct? That is correct. That would be Adam Kinzinger's district. This is an yeah. area that has voted Republican. Mm, for, for a the long better. time. Yeah, a long time. And there you are, uh, Sarah Bingaman, trying to get people to vote Democratic. And this leads to one of my favorite themes. How? What should Democrats do? Uh, to convince voters outside of the city of Chicago. Ladies and gentlemen, Chicago, there's a land outside Chicago. Uh, what should Democrats do to try to convince people who don't live in Chicago uh, to vote for Democratic candidates? So we'll start with that as a general um, topic. What's like the, a theme, uh, Sarah, that you think Democrats should be articulating to win over uh, your neighbors? Well, in general, of course, the key to life is showing up. And in order for Democrats to win here, uh, they need to show up. Um, it's, it's, it's critical for people who want to represent you to, to actually come and listen to the people who live here. Now, we have... Um, both in 2018 and in 2020, supported, very actively supported candidates who have run for Congress against Adam Kinzinger. Uh, we supported Sarah Dady in 2018, a wonderful candidate, uh, a, an immigration attorney from Rockford. She showed up. She was here a lot. Um, met with as many people as she possibly could. Um, and then in 2020, we supported actively another candidate. And again, very, we were very fortunate to have a wonderful candidate again, Danny Brzezowski, uh, the Democratic chair of LaSalle County. Um, and she showed up, but of course, in 2020, showing up is a much more complicated thing mm -hmm. than it was in 2018. So um, she came. She did. She did a variety of things. On on the other hand, um, our current Congressperson Adam Kinzinger does not show up ever, but that seems to be acceptable 
to many voters here. And, and we ask ourselves why that would be. Why is it all right to continue to vote for someone who has not held a town hall meeting in at least seven years mm-hmm. in which people could ask whatever questions they would like. He has held events in which people had to submit questions ahead of time or Republican events for which people had to pay, but an open town hall meeting he has not held. Now, uh, Sarah, I, I mentioned this to you before. I'm going to mention it again. I'm going to chastise myself. I, I, I am guilty of having said a few complimentary things about Congressman Adam Kinzinger because uh, he was uh, one of the few Republicans who spoke out against the insanity of many of MAGA America, which was uh, accusing Democrats of having stolen the election, the preposterous claims that they made up without a shred of evidence. Uh, they got the president of the United States, Donald John Trump, to sign on to it. Uh, and they've gotten uh, the Senate just had a hearing on this. I mean, this is the insanity of the Republican Party. Kinzinger uh, was critical of it. I praised him. And my uh, dear friend Heidi Henry uh, came out and thundering, a thundering text criticizing me for criticizing him uh, for praising Kinzinger and saying, Ben, you should know better. Uh, what's your take on all this? Uh, should I, am I deserving of that criticism uh, from Heidi Henry? And should I know be- better? Go ahead, Sarah. Well, Heidi is a good friend, number one. And yes, Ben, you should be roundly <laughs> criticized for that. Um, we do not suddenly sing the praises of someone who has done such a poor job of representing the 16th congressional district simply because he did what any rational person should have done on November 7th or 8th or 9th, somewhere near the time that Biden was definitely um, elected president of the United States, Biden Harris. And, um, I simply do not understand why it is headlines that someone would do what they should have done immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, I I, I don't get why this is something that he is being honored for. Yes. So I I agree with Heidi. I apologize, but I agree with Heidi. Uh, That's okay. Uh, I can handle it. And um, Heidi's a dear friend of the show, and she'll be back. And she can chastise me herself in person. (laughs) Uh, You said uh, showing up is more complicated in 2020 than 2018. You were talking about the difficulties and challenges of uh, defeating Kinzinger in 2020 as opposed to 2018. It's not just uh, uh, Danny B in the uh, 16th Congressional who faces Sarah. You and I talked about this briefly throughout the state of Illinois. Congressional Democratic congressional candidates did worse in 2020 than they had done in the midterms in 2018. That's right. What do you attribute that to? It was a big surprise, frankly, and it was very discouraging. Um, there are a variety of things that that 
we attribute it to. Let me just go back and, and share some of those numbers with you because um, in 2018, when Sarah Dady ran against Adam Pinzinger for Congress, she earned 41.23% uh, of the vote. And so our assumption was that if we were more organized and we worked harder and we um, met more people and we were more established in the community, um, that we would be able to raise that number. And in fact, um, Danny, our wonderful candidate for Congress, received 33.82% of the vote. Now, uh, wait a minute, I need to back up because the figures that I'm giving you are for Lee County, which is um, the county in which we are most invested. So um, we we lost eight points there, um, and and that was shocking. We had we had a very um, active campaign going. Um, we had signs, we had billboards, we had lots of volunteers. What we could not do this time was ring doorbells. Um, we made that decision early on that we were not going to risk either the voters or our volunteers by ringing doorbells. So we were left with um, dropping literature at the doors and um, phone calls and our billboards and our signs and so forth. You asked me um, to what do we attribute this decrease in um, the vote for, for Danny, because it certainly was not the fact that she was qualified. She was definitely qualified. And it was not the fact that there was not an organized effort. She, Danny had an outstanding uh, campaign staff. We feel that we had several things really pushing against us. Um, one was, uh, a very strong feeling out here in favor of Donald Trump. Mm. Of course, in 18, that was a midterm election. And so people who only vote in presidential elections did not come out. We had in this area several parades down the Rock River, boat parades in favor of Trump down the highways, down the main streets. Nonetheless, we felt before the election that we also had a lot of momentum and a lot of energy for the Biden-Harris campaign and for Danny's campaign. So it was a bit of, su of surprise, but there is a very strong feeling out here uh, about Donald Trump. People do like him very much and are very dedicated to him. We feel that uh, the misinformation, you started your show today with that piece on the, what we call the fair tax, the progressive tax. Mm -hmm. There was enormous pushback on the progressive tax here, an enormous amount of misinformation. And that pulled many people out to vote. In Lee County, we had an incredible turnout. We had 74.23% of, of registered voters voted, which is a quite a strong showing. In the past, we've always felt that if we had voters come out, 
Democrats would win, but we were proven wrong this time. We also had an enormous pushback here against J.B. Pritzker's regulations on the pandemic. We were littered in this area with signs that said Pritzker sucks. Um, They were very hard to see. They were heartbreaking um, because I feel and I believe that most of the people in our group feel that he has saved so many lives with his willingness to be a leader, with his willingness to take action, with his willingness to show us what needed to be done. We also happen to have in in Lee County, one of, I think she has to be one of the very best administrators of a health department, Kathy Ferguson, and I have to give her a big shout out. She has been wonderful at following and making sure that people in this local area follow the regulations. And up through, I would say the middle of October, in Lee County, we had precisely one death due to COVID. That's, that's amazing. But what happened because of that is that people didn't believe it. So when regulations were put into place and stores were closed, bars were closed, churches were closed, um, schools were put in a difficult situation, Um, people pushed back hard because they didn't believe that the pandemic was real because they weren't seeing it. Mm -hmm. Things are quite different now. Um, It has hit us here now. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a prison. We have some nursing homes. We have some long-term care facilities. So um, it's quite different now, but we we believe that that push back against um, Pritzker's regulations hurt us. Um, and one other thing, there is there is a strong feeling about Michael Madigan out here. Mm-hmm. Um, if you run as a Democrat here, it's very difficult to run as a pro de- pro Madigan Democrat. Mm-hmm. Um, that is going to put you in a very, very difficult position sometimes. So there were lots and lots of factors going on that I guess we just didn't get on our radar the way we should have. Okay, now let's break it down. You Three things I was taking careful notes. People dedicated to Trump, the impact of Madigan, and the J.B. Pritzker uh, pushback. I'm going to just start with the J.B. Pritzker pushback. We'll get to all three of these uh, matters, uh, Sarah. The J.B. Pritzker pushback. Let's just talk. Let's just, let's, let's just take a moment to absorb the cruel irony for Democrats of what you just said. Because Democratic uh, activists in uh, in your neck of the wood came to a decision that would be in the best interest of the public health if they essentially tie a hand behind your back and not go door to door and support social distancing rules uh, that are intended to protect people from the spread of this dangerous virus. So you did that, even though it would hurt Danny B's campaign. At the same time, the people you're trying to win over, they don't even believe that the freaking pandemic is real. They, they're they mad at Pritzker because J.B. Pritzker is trying to <laughs> close down indoor dining so people don't. So you're adhering to rules that affect the people that infect 
the people that you're trying to win over don't believe in, and it's hurting you in your attempt to win them over. I call that cruel irony. Do you agree with me on that? I do agree with you. And um, we thought that we were working around it in the very best way we could. Uh, we, we thought that we were reaching people fairly well. We thought in our innocence that people would appreciate the fact that we were not putting them in danger by ringing doorbells. Um, but we, we were wrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you were wrong. And I hope everybody who's listening, who's not, uh, who is from Chicago, just take a moment. I talk about this all the time in the air, the, uh, the, um, the disadvantages that Pritzker faces, particularly in relation to, uh, like our mayor, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, who feels free to pronounce the need for social distancing and works out of a comfort zone that JB Pritzker does not have, ladies and gentlemen, there is not a pushback in the city of Chicago uh, it, against Lori Lightfoot and stay at home stuff like there is for J.B. Pritzker. So it's a very important uh, point, and I'm glad uh, you made it. All right, let's now get uh, to. Well, and, and I think we need to recognize that he's going to be up for reelection before too long. And Democrats in Illinois are going to need to recognize that the emotional push against his regulations in this area are enormous, mm -hmm. enormous. Um, people have kept bars open even after the regulations, even after the regulations went into place. Um, when the school district here chose to, of course, I don't envy anyone who's a teacher. I'm a retired teacher, but anyone who's a teacher, but especially anyone who's on a school board to make those decisions, they made the best decision they could. And then the pushback against that was enormous for them. And they had to go back and, and replan what they were going to do. Um, I even saw Pritzker sucks signs in windows of stores owned by people I know are Democrats. Mm. Man, what a bunch of cowards put the Pritzker sub suck sides up there to try to, you know, uh, convince the, their fellow uh, Dixonians. Oh, hey, I don't like Pritzker, even though I voted for him. Well, Man, this is what very a bunch regional. Of cowards. This, is not, this is not just Dixon. We need to be thinking more regionally here. This is you drive all up and down this region. You will continue to see both sides. Yes. All right. Now let's get on uh, Michael Joseph Madigan and uh, his impact outside of Chicago. I've made this point many, many times in this show and in my column, uh, Sarah, I've called on Madigan to step down. And if he won't do it voluntarily, I've called on the Democrats and the le legislature. <laughs> Good luck with this one uh, to elect a new speaker. And uh, I mainly do this, uh, Sarah, because I know, I know the effectiveness of the Republican propaganda machine in weaponizing to, uh, Michael Madigan, uh, turning him into a caricature, which they use quite effectively to undercut any Democratic can campaign, including good Democrats like Danny B, who run, have nothing to do with Michael Joseph Madigan. Uh, and they uh, you're going to put his head on uh, her shoulders, so to speak. And uh, so talk a little bit if you will, about the impact of Michael Madigan in your neck of the woods. I would say that when you have a conversation with someone who is a moderate Republican 
or a even a strong Republican out here and you say that you are working for a Democratic candidate, one of the very first questions that you will always be asked is, what do you think of Michael Madigan? It's, it's, a, it's a lodestone that you carry on your shoulder as you are trying to work for these candidates. I am, I, I am a retired teacher. I am a member of the Illinois Education Association. I am a union person. I uh, understand that he has been very supportive of unions. But I think people need to recognize that particularly under this investigation, um, it is very, very difficult for Democrats to win in rural Illinois as long as he holds this leadership position. It's just a fact. Yeah. No, it is a fact. And uh, Democrats want to be in denial about this. They're going to pay consequences uh, for it. And I, and, and that, that, that twofold punch that you just talked about, uh, the Michael Madigan caricature that's used against Democrats, and then the, the response uh, to the J.B. Pritzker and the uh, Pritzker suck signs, et cetera. And I just want to defend, if I can for a moment, the storekeepers in your neck of the woods, because we have an alderman in the city of Chicago who is every bit as guilty of those uh, violating the Pritzker orders as any storekeeper in your neck of the woods, and that is one alderman, Tom Tunney. So I don't want to be one of those hypocritical Chicagoans who mock people who live outside of Chicago. When right here in the city of Chicago, people who know better, Sarah, are also violating uh, the rules. And this, again, underscores the, the difficulty and challenges that Pritzker faces. He can't even get someone in Chicago to follow the rules. You know, how's he going to do it uh, in, in your neck of the woods? Do you follow what I just said? I do. I do. All right. And then finally, there's the first item on your list, which is the one that just got me scratching my head. I understand, Sarah Bingaman. I do understand the attitude that people would have against Michael Madigan, uh, particularly after like 10 years of Republican bashing. Okay, I understand that. And I understand the visceral reaction that people would have if you run a bar or a restaurant and J.B. Pritzker said, no, you can't operate. I understand. But the love that MAGA has for Donald John Trump, I will never understand that, Sarah. You live among MAGA people. Some of them are your good friends. Please explain to me. Help me out here. I'm ben always trying a, to understand MAGA man. Why do they love this guy so much? Ben, that is an impossible task. I cannot explain it. The only, the only way that I can possibly rationalize it is by saying that you know that their source of news and information is completely different from your source of news and information and my source of news and information. They have limited themselves completely to a very small parochial set of um, sources and they believe those sources and they believe nothing else. The other thing that's true also, a very interesting fact in this area is the impact of churches. Um, we have lots of lots and lots of churches here. I am an active member of a church. I am an elder in my church. 
there are many churches of all different types, but there are many very large evangelical churches. And several of the people I know who are educated, college educated, and should know the difference between truth and fiction are members of those evangelical churches and when and many of those members i don't want to say all but many of those members mm-hmm. believe very strongly that he is superhuman <laughs> <laughs> And I'm talking college-educated people. I, I, I get a little, I get my heckles up a little bit when I hear people in metro areas talking about rural areas and talking about how so many who support him are high school-educated people. That's not my experience. My experience is that many of the people who are very dedicated to this man are college-educated mm-hmm. people. Well, Sarah, let me just take a moment to uh, talk directly to uh, the MAGA people out there, uh, your neck of the woods. MAGA people, I understand where you're coming from. I live in Chicago. And this kind of blind loyalty, see no evil, hear no evil, I've seen it happen in Chicago in the 90s and the O's. As much as you love and adore Donald Trump, as much as you block your ears and close your eyes to all the obvious evidence of his faults and his deceit and his lying. That's what Chicagoans did for Mayor Daley. Mayor Daley could say the sun rises in the West and sets in the East and Chicagoans would go, it makes sense to me. The mayor said it. So it's kind of, I get you MAGA, but I still, (laughs) I still don't think it's logical anymore than I thought it was logical when the Chicagoans, so I'm not one of those Chicagoans, uh, Sarah, who just, you know, makes fun of MAGA just because they blindly follow a despot. Because I saw Chicagoans do the same thing for 20 years. I resisted it the whole time, too. So I kind of understand them. Uh, that said, do you think it's possible for Democrats to win over Trump voters in your neck of the woods? I certainly hope so. Uh, we continue to have people step up and say, I'm going to try this, and, and, and I'm grateful for that. We have just organized a new group. Um, our group in our Action for a Better Tomorrow Sauk Valley group is a part of Indivisible Illinois, and I think you know Indivisible. Uh, Lenny leads the Indivisible Illinois group. Lenny and Scott, Scott lead it. Um, So we have just formed, after the 2020 election, we formed a group of indivisible leaders across the state to focus exclusively on the issues faced by activists in rural Illinois. And we're just beginning that work. But there's a lot of good information out there. And I think if we study and we work together and we share ideas and we um, come up with some solutions to how we can reach out to people, 
how we can shift the narrative. Of course, we're considered socialists and sometimes communists because we are progressives. Um, we, we need to figure out how to best change the narrative out here. And we're working together to do that. So we've, we've had some great meetings um, across the state of Illinois with our new Indivisible Illinois Rural Group. Well, there was a lot of optimism coming out of the 2018 campaign. 2018 is when Sean Casson was victorious, Lauren Underwood was victorious, uh, Betsy Dirksen Londrigan uh, downstate came very close uh, to winning. And uh, I just had, there was just a sense that Democrats had a, had a, a message that was working in areas uh, that had been uh, very popular to Republicans. And it was a setback, as you pointed out, uh, in this last election. And so now uh, everybody's trying to figure out which direction the Democratic Party should go in, how to bridge the differences between uh, the lefties like myself and the centrists of the Democratic Party, uh, like the Connor Lambs, for instance, the congressman out of Pennsylvania. What advice, Sarah, do you have to offer Democrats uh, to sort of bridge these divides between the left the Bernie crowd like me and the centrists like Connor Lamb. What's, what advice do you have? The consensus of our rural group so far is that we need to work very hard to have personal relationships across the board out here. And that means that we get involved in as many things as we possibly can, as many organizations as we possibly can, and show people that we are just caring Main Street Americans and we're willing to do the work and we're will and we truly care about our communities and we too love the American flag. Um, it's going to be critical too for the Democratic Party, and I mean the National Democratic Party and also the state Democratic Party, to recognize that things need to be done differently in rural Illinois than in metro areas. I'm not quite sure exactly what those things are going to end up being, but it's not going to help to have someone sitting in Chicago telling us how to run a campaign here. It's not going to be particularly helpful to have someone in Washington, D.C. telling us how to run a campaign here. We need to figure this out here. We need to figure out what works in rural Illinois. There was just a, a wonderful article in the New York Times suggesting and um, that this that working with rural America might be something that Kamala Harris might want to take on. Um, of course, there's some pushback. Kamala knows exactly what Kamala needs to do. But um, it would just be wonderful if there w could be a spotlight focused on the needs of rural America. John, uh, John Tester has a great book out about rural America and, and how to change how to change the focus here. What, how do we speak to people here? Um, 
So uh, it's a work in progress, but we're working on it. Yeah, I saw that article in the New York Times. It was written by their columnist, Thomas Freeman. I had a little chuckle at it because, uh, first of all, I don't know if that guy's ever been in rural Illinois or any rural area, and he's going giving advice. Here's what we do to win over rural Illinois. Okay, yeah. uh, have you ever lived in rural Illinois, Tom Freeman? And secondly, I mean, I love Kamala Harris, but I'm like, what does she know about rural Illinois? But whatever, you know. Except that I, I think, once again, people – assume that rural Illinois is all white and that's not necessarily so. And the only way truly that rural Illinois is rural Illinois and rural U S is going to survive is if these small towns accept immigrants with open arms in their communities um, and accept people of color in their communities they need to become more open-minded about who is going to come live here because truly we're losing population and that can't continue to happen. Um, But okay. So if we're not going to listen to the New York times, let's listen to John Tester because truly he does know. I agree. Truly. You're right. We are in agreement. Well, that's a good place as ever to end the uh, interview because we're in total agreement on that. I would listen to John Tester. He's run uh, statewide uh, Montana and was victorious, and so he knows a thing or two about reaching out to all kinds of different people from all kinds of different backgrounds and communities. Uh, before I let you go, Sarah, anything uh, you want to tell folks about your group? They want to get involved, if they uh, want to help out, uh, feel free. The floor is yours. Thank you very much. Um, so we welcome um, members to our Action for a Better Tomorrow Sauk Valley group. We're on Facebook. You'll find us there. We are a private group, so ask to join and, and we'll check you out and let you in. Um, and we would also be very interested in having you join our Indivisible Illinois Rural Statewide Group. And I think the easiest way to get in touch with that group would be to email us at abtsaukvalley at gmail.com. So that's A, Action for a Better Tomorrow, abtsaukvalley at gmail.com. And I will get you the information um, about how to join our Illinois Indivisible Rural Group. And Sauk is spelled S-A-U-K. Even I know that. Yes. (laughs) Uh, All right, uh, Sarah Bigaman, thank you so much for taking time to come on the show and best of luck to you. Thank you Uh, very much. It's it's really been a, um, a pleasure to be able to put some spotlight on what's going on in rural Illinois. All right, that's Sarah Bigaman. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody.